Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Giants Beat Podcast, powered by Block Talk Radio. This is the Week 12 Review Show, and I'm your host, Scott Thompson, as always. It's been six straight wins for the New York Giants now as they beat the Cleveland Browns in Northeast Ohio yesterday afternoon by the score of 27-13. to 13. It was a slow start for the G-Men, but the job did get done over the winless Browns, who now move to 0-12. The Giants are now 8-3 and and still have the best shot to take the NFC East thrown away from the 10-1 Dallas Cowboys. But today we will take a look at what went right and what went wrong for the Giants in their matchup yesterday. But first, I must introduce my new co-host here on the podcast. He's a fellow beat writer for the Giants beat on scout.com, Alex Evans. Alex, it's great to have you on, man, and I'm excited for this new partnership. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk some Giants football today with you. Yeah, well, we got a lot going on today. And first, always after a win, we start off with what went right. Let's go right into it. Let's talk with the offense first. Odo Beckham Jr., the star wideout, had a phenomenal game, catching six balls, two of them for touchdowns, and all for a total of 96 yards. Unlike the games before, Odell was Eli Manning's number one target, and rightfully so, as he was running beautiful routes. He was getting wide open. So, Alex, first question of the day, what do you like from Odell Beckham Jr. yesterday? Well, I I really liked how he you know he took over yesterday's game. As you said, he had 96 yards, two touchdowns on six receptions, and really he just he just uh, you know he was great with his routes. He beat beat Joe Hayden mm-hmm. in the um, Pro Bowl corner on a bunch of plays. You know he, he's he's arguably the best route runner in the NFL, and it, and it was it was a nice bounce back for him after a you know no touchdowns, 46 yards, and against Chicago. Yeah. And he and he did it all in a bad thumb, which you know required treatment throughout the first half. And you know I thought it was a a great uh, showing mm-hmm. of toughness for him. Yeah. Now, a lot of people have been saying that Odell has not been utilized. Talked about last week. You know, four catches, forty six yards. A little, you know, a normal wide receiver in the league gets a stat line like that. But this is Odell Beckham Jr. Do you like how Eli particularly focused on Odell this week? Um, I did. Yes, I mean, well, yes and no. I like it because it keeps Odell happy, and as we saw earlier in the year, uh, his lack of uh, production uh, bothered him, and it kind of affected the team a little bit. But he is their best mm-hmm. player, so when he gets the ball in his hands, good things seem to happen. But um, on the flip side, I was a little concerned with the lack of production from Cruz and Shepard. Dwayne Harris had a nice touchdown catch in the first, but Cruz just had the one catch for 30, 32 yards, and Shepard just... Mm-hmm. Uh, had one carry for 22 yards. So um, I was a little concerned um, that he was the only one getting uh, the ball, but he ended up making it work. Yeah, and Odell, we'll, we'll talk about this later, how he was open a lot in the first quarter and how it could have been a breakout game for him if he caught that one ball that Eli Manning overthrew. But we'll get to that later in the what went wrong section. But talking more about Manning, he had tons of time in that pocket to take a look at his targets thanks to that O-line I mean, he was sacked just once, but that seemed to be really the only pressure that the Browns put on 
Eli Manning all game long. Obviously, the run blocking wasn't there yet again, but keeping Manning upright for this offense is honestly the key to it, and the O-line did not disappoint yesterday. So, Alex, what can you say about this O-line up until this point in the uh, season? It hasn't worked for you know the run game just yet, but they have kept Manning on their feet consistently, and as the weeks go on in that aspect, they've given him a great pocket to step up in. Exactly. It's kind of, you know, a give-and-take relationship with the line. I mean, they've been at the bottom of the league in total rushing offense for the entire season. They're averaging slightly under 80 yards per game on the ground. But then, you know, they've only um, allowed 14 sacks, and that's um, one of the best stat lines in the league. And so they're keeping Eli up, you know, and off the turf, and that's allowing him time to find his receivers, and he has a ton of threats downfield. And And they deserve some credit for that, but the run game still, it's 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 pretty horrendous, and I don't. I I mean, we'll talk about it later. I'm sure. I haven't. I thought there was some hope the past two weeks, but um, they uh, seem to take a couple steps back last night or last last yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I mean that the the run run blocking has not been anything close to extraordinary whatsoever. But you know, keeping Eli Manning upright is what this this offensive line really needs to do. I mean, obviously Eli's going to throw at least 30 times a game. He needs a clean pocket. As we know, he cannot run out. I mean, we saw in the past couple of weeks, he's been a little, little, um, you know, anxious to get out of that pocket and to run on his own, but, you know, keeping that pocket secure, having him be able to step up and to take time that he did yesterday. I mean, we saw a lot of times where he had three, four seconds to really look at all of his, routes if the first one wasn't there he would check down you know giving Eli time like that really makes this offense work you saw that more in the second half than in the in the first half but I think that the O-line did a great job and they have been doing a great job in getting that clean pocket for Eli Manning all season long let's move on to the defense because that's where a lot of the highlights were really happening the defense 13 points allowed six sacks three forced fumbles yesterday three fumble recoveries on those forced fumbles and one of them for a touchdown. It is safe to say the Giants' defense had its way with the Cleveland Browns' offense yesterday. Now, Alex, right off the bat, the Giants' defense were relentless. Um, Many expected this to happen, though, because it is the Browns, but did you expect the numbers to look the way they did on the stat sheet yesterday? Um, I, I you know, I kind of did, actually. I wasn't really surprised that they performed well yesterday. Uh, Coming into the game, Mm -hmm. Cleveland was in the bottom two or three in pretty much every offensive statistical category, so made sense that the, the defense would play well. Uh, Cleveland gave up eight sacks against Pittsburgh last week, so I did expect a bunch of sacks. I didn't expect six, but I expected, you know, three or four. And then the, the amount of turnovers was a little surprising. The Giants came into the game 29th in the league with a takeaway-giveaway ratio of minus seven, so they haven't been taking the ball away a ton, but they did yesterday. And, of course, they finished with the three force fumbles and um, JPP um, with that uh, nice 43-yard scoop and score. And, um, just, just a, a fun stat to throw out there. He was the first NFL player with three sacks and a 40-plus yard fumble return touchdown since the stat was invented in 1982. So that's putting that into perspective. And they now have 11 sacks yep. in the last two games. JPP has five and a half, uh, and he just he looks sort of like the dominant JPP of old, which is good news for the Giants. Well, great segment into our next topic. I mean, one of those players wreaking havoc yesterday, as Alex said, was Jason Pierre-Paul who had himself his best game of the season by far. He was a constant nuisance to Browns quarterback Josh McCown as he had three sacks. He had a couple of tip passes as well, and obviously that cherry on top, what you talked about 
was that 43-yard fumble return for a touchdown, landed perfectly in his hands, and he just took it all the way. Alex, JPP has been getting better and better as the season progresses, just like he said he would in the offseason. Do you see this trend stopping anytime soon for him? Um, I, I can't say I do. Uh, like I said before, if he has the five-and-a-half sacks in the past two games, and he's, he's firing off the ball well. He's playing with a pretty relentless motor. Um, and pretty much the only thing that could stop him is the fact that uh, the next five teams, the Giants face, they're um, all very good in terms of, you know, the amount of sacks they've given yes. up. They've, I believe the Lions have given up the most, and that's only 25, and the other four teams are below that. So uh, it's possible that as he faces better offensive lines because the Browns, don't have a great offensive line that he might slow down. But, you know, once once players get on a roll, sometimes no one can stop them. Yeah. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul has been great all season long. He just gets better as the week progresses. And some experts are saying that he is in the conversation for comeback player of the year on the defensive side of the ball. Alex, would you consider him one of your standouts on that category? Because right now I think if he keeps on keeping – keeping this trend going, I think that he could definitely be that comeback player of the year. Exactly. I, I definitely think he's in he's in the conversation, at least. I mean, the, the improvement from July 4, July 4, 2015 to now, where we weren't sure even if he was going to be able to play football again, and now he's causing damage on, on, on the defensive line. He's looking like the JPP of old after we saw him struggle in the games that he did uh, play in last year, and the improvement he's made in his game has definitely uh, made him a um, a worthy candidate for comeback player of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, and he's he's kept his word. You know, he said that he would be coming back. He's mm-hmm. been working so hard in the off season, and it is paying some dividends on the field. But it was another week, and the point can be made that the defense was the cause for yet another victory. Again, creating great field position for the offense, creating turnovers. Alex, it's week twelve, and the defense continues to wow fans and experts alike as a as it, as it is, excuse me, a clear change from the last year's squad that was atrocious. How impressed have you been overall with this group all season long? Well, I've been very impressed. The defense has far and away exceeded any expectations I had for them at the beginning of the season. And if you told me um, before the season started that the defense would be the unit carrying this team week in and week out and not their offense, I definitely would have laughed at you, but that's what's happening. They've gone from yeah. the worst defense in the league to pretty much right in the middle of the pack. Uh, they're fifth in rushing yards allowed per game. Um, they've allowed a little over 200 points, which is good for sixth in the NFL. But um, the, And the only concern I have uh, with is their secondary, which I believe we're going to get into later on. But even their secondary has oh, yeah. uh, too concerning. But, you know, we'll get into that because it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, well, listen, that that defensive line, especially for me, I think is the biggest improvement that, that I've seen on, on this defense. I mean, we talked about the secondary last year. They have been showing, you know, that they have been creating turnovers. They are a lot better than they were last year. But this defensive line, especially, that started off very slow to begin with. They were good on the run, Olivier Vernon and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul setting the edge. But getting to the quarterback was an issue. Now it seems that, you know, the quarterbacks cannot get that three seconds or that even five seconds that Aaron Rodgers had you know, back in, in the beginning of, of the season, they are relentless off the line. Like you said, JPP firing hard off the ball. Olivier Vernon is, you know, kind of the silent assassin. He's constantly putting pressure on. He had a sack and a half yesterday. You see the guys in the middle, 
Snacks and Jonathan Hankins, they're starting to get to the quarterback as well. So I really like what I'm seeing from this defense, and it will really tell in these next couple of weeks what this line can do against a lot better teams. But let's stick with the defense. You talked about the secondary. Um, There wasn't much on the wrong side, but we're going to get into what went wrong in the defense, and that one major cause for concern yesterday, I think, was the deep ball that was really beating the secondary. Uh, The scoreboard obviously didn't show it with the Browns scoring 13 points, but Josh McCown had his way in the air. He threw for 322 yards. Uh, Terrell Pryor Sr. had six catches for 131 yards. I mean, Alex, McCown wasn't afraid to air that ball out yesterday, and rightfully so considering the Giants have had troubles with the deep ball all season long. Uh, Why do you think this is the case? Uh, Truthfully, I just think it's difficult to defend the pass in general in the the NFL. Teams are so pass-heavy nowadays, and they have um, so many talented receivers that the opposition is almost always going to put up decent numbers. Um, Jenkins, Collins, and Apple, um, they're talented, but it's difficult when they're sitting in a zone defense and and the opposition is running 10 to 12-yard, you know, hitches and routes of that nature. And those, those yards tend to add up, but I believe teams are more concerned with the deep threat than anything else. And um, as for yesterday, Terrell Pryor is 6'4", and he's he's just a mismatch for pretty much any corner he goes up with, and that was the case. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people kept on uh, hankering on, on Janoris Jenkins because they thought that he was, you know, the reason why Terrell Pryor uh, Sr. had all those yards, but he only covered him once and had one catch. Um, and didn't cover him once, excuse me. Terrell Pryor had one catch on Janoris Jenkins when he was covering him for 14 yards, but you talked about that that zone. Um, It it appeared yesterday that the Browns wide receivers were just killing the zone. Josh McCown was throwing great balls um, all game long. I believe he had over 40 uh, attempts in uh, in the air, and that when you're connecting, you're going to get 300-plus yards, so that's what we saw yesterday. But going forward, especially next week, you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers who have a great wide receiver tandem just Mm -hmm. like you do. Um, do you see this trend stopping with one of the uh, worst, you know, guys to go up against in the deep ball in Antonio Brown? Ken, and I think if, if what the Giants have to do is they have to try and press opposing receivers as often as possible at the line of scrimmage, you know, dis- disrupt their releases, get in their heads, do whatever you can do to make their routes as difficult to run as possible. And they're going against great receivers the next few weeks, as you said. And from experience, um, playing as a receiver in high school, um, nothing was more frustrating for me than when I was being pressed at the line. And, you know, it wasn't easy for me to yeah. to get off of the line of scrimmage and, you know, run my route. So I think if they do that, um, they'll at least have a, at least slow down Antonio Brown's production. He's going to produce no matter what. But I think um, if they just uh, get a little more physical with uh, some of their opposing receivers, they'll, they'll be all right. Yeah, and, and, you know, you saw yesterday Odell Beckham Jr. was getting pressed at the line by Joe Hayden. He was getting off. So it's kind of a risk and reward sort of thing for the defense. If you can get yep. in the opposing receiver's head and if you can, you know, like you said, ha- give them trouble off the line, mess up that, you know, timing between the receiver and, and the quarterback, we'll see what happens. Obviously, Antonio Brown is going to produce, but if you can keep, you know, six Sammy Coates and, and the rest of those guys at bay, I think that the Giants – We'll have a chance there, and we'll talk about that on Friday with our preview show. But still going forward, you know, special teams, you know, we've got to drop them in one of these categories as well. And we've been talking about them all season long. They have also been an issue, and it showed again yesterday. No Dwayne Harris on kickoff or punt returns. You start off with Bobby Rainey, 
Um, he wasn't getting the job done. Alex, why do you think special teams is having such an issue, you know, for a team considering that they can't trust a guy like Harris who has been known as a great returner? Well, well, that's a great question, and I honestly don't know if I have the answer. I think it's more of a personnel thing. Uh, yesterday was just a bad day, especially for Bobby Rainey, who, of course, muffed the punt and then had that illegal fair catch that led to a five-yard penalty. But the real surprise has been Robbie Gold. You know, he's missed uh, he missed his third extra point in two games yesterday. And he's, he's kicked in Chicago. He's kicked in those conditions. And, you know, he's a veteran. He should be making these kicks. And it's a little troublesome uh, considering how important kickers are uh, come playoff time. Yeah if the Giants are fortunate enough to make uh, the playoffs. And, you know, you don't want him to be a liability, you know, in a big um, big game moment, a last-second field goal attempt. But um, I will say that Brad Wing continued to, um, you know, punt well. He was 5 of 9 uh, for punts inside the 20, and he was really the only bright spot of the day for the special teams. Yeah, I mean, Brad Wing all season has been doing – Decent. I mean, we can't say he's been extraordinary, but like you said, he's constantly getting the ball inside the twenty. Five of nine. I think you'll you, you'll take that. Maybe not in playoff time, mm-hmm. but you you will take that normally. But Robbie Gold, especially. I mean, didn't even write it here on the outline. And I can't believe I I forgot about him because last week against his former team, you would think he would want to play with a little bit of extra adrenaline. Maybe that adrenaline got to him, and he missed two extra points. And that ultimately, if it wasn't for Jay Cutler slipping on that last throw. Who knows what could have happened? The Giants could have blown that game. Um, it should have been an eight-point game. It was a six-point game, and they could have won with the touchdown. And we've seen that all over the, the, the league thus far this season, the extra point being a bugaboo for not just Robbie Gold, but a lot of other kickers. And obviously the NFL is kind of banking on, you know, moving it back a little bit really does change the game. So you, you really got to get those seven points, and you got to work for them. But yesterday – we saw Odell Beckham Jr., you know, step in for Bobby Rainey, and he took a couple punts back for a good amount of yardage. One of them would have been a touchdown if it wasn't for a flag on Mark Herschlick. Uh, do you think, Alex, that Odell's going to be fielding some punts against the Steelers next week? Uh, I, I think you'll definitely see him fielding punts. Um, obviously, Mac, Ben McAdoo will trust him more than Rainey and Harris, but he also he gives him the best chance to win whenever the ball's in his hands and you want your best player to have the ball as many times as possible. And, you know, this will increase his touches, and that hopefully will lead to some big plays. And I just think he's competitive. And since Antonio Brown also returns punts for Pittsburgh, Odell's, you know, competitive enough. He might want just, he might just want to, you know, play, um, he might just want to play that position on, on this coming Sunday just to, you know, settle who's the best. Yeah, I mean, are, are you – but on my side, I kind of fear a little bit considering that, you know, the punt return is probably one of the most dangerous mm-hmm. plays in, in, in football. One little thing could happen where he doesn't see a guy gunning at him and he doesn't call that fair catch. Are you afraid that if Odell's constantly out there, obviously he's going to be wanting to make a play. He doesn't want to raise that hand. Um, but like you said, Antonio Brown does it, but still for me, even not being a Steelers fan, I still fear for him a little bit. Is there a little bit of fear on, on- on your side in that aspect? Oh, oh, definitely. There always is. As you said, it's one of the most uh, dangerous um, plays in football. And Odell's he's your guy. He's your go-to. You're not going to go far in yeah. the, go far in the playoffs without him. So, of course, there's um, that concern. But if no if no one else can do it, and, and Rainey proved that he has trouble uh, fielding punts yesterday, Harris has been not himself all season, and you might just have to take the risk. I mean, I, I wouldn't personally, but uh, it just comes down to that sometimes. 
And it showed yesterday what exactly, you know, taking that risk does. Like we said, high risk, high reward. It should have been a touchdown if Mark Hershley just blocked like a normal human being. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. We're going to, you saw that, that pull down, right? He just grabbed them and, and just fell down. Oh, God. Clearly yeah. illegal, but, <laughs> but anyway, let's go on to what went wrong on the offense. Uh, we talked about quarterback Eli Manning. Maya had three touchdowns yesterday, um, which is always good to see in the red zone. But getting there was an issue for the 13-year veteran. Early on, Odo Beckham Jr. was getting wide open on Joe Hayden, as we mentioned before, but Manning could not connect. His first three passes went his way were either off target, underthrown, or overthrown. The one being overthrown would have been a touchdown because Odo had him beat by like five yards and no, one, no safety help was in the backfield. Uh, he didn't get the ball to rookie wide receiver Sterling Shepard at all yesterday. Alex, a win is a win. We could say that, but Manning didn't seem himself against the Browns' defense that should have been picked apart, to say the least. Uh, what do you think was the issue there? I, I, I really hate to say this, but I think it's um, mainly Eli's age catching up to him. It's the 13th season. Yeah. He's 35, and, and not everyone can be like Tom Brady, who just seems to get better with age. And it, I mean, it certainly isn't a lack of weapons. And the offensive line is keeping him upright. You know, the run game's another story, but they're keeping him upright, so he's able to pass the ball. But I believe, again, that, you know, Father Time's starting to have some influence over Eli's play. But he can still be productive. And, and you know, he's done enough to get the Giants to an 8-3 record. But I just think he's starting to slow down. You're starting to see some signs of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, y- y- yesterday you saw it. I mean, fans got a little bit – I got a little bit, you know, worried at first. I'm saying, oh, he- here we go again. It's going to be one of those games. You know, I, I thought about the-, the Minnesota game early where Odell was open. He just wouldn't find him. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be one of those games, but obviously second half was a different story and he seemed to pick it up a little bit later, but moving forward, you can't miss opportunities like that. And that would have been an easy seven points. The game should not have been as close as it was yesterday, but sticking with that wide receiving core, let's talk a little bit about Sterling Shepard. He was targeted 11 times last week and in the weeks prior, three weeks prior, he was pulled in a touchdown in each game, but Manning didn't find him at all once yesterday. Uh, he had one carry, like you said, for 22 yards, and that's it. That's all we heard of the rookie. Many believe Shepard has been, uh, hasn't been, excuse me, utilized correctly at all this season. Alex, do you feel the same way? Um, you know, I feel this. Um, I feel that way in some extent, and and you know, the reason he's been um, underutilized in some aspects is because he and Odell Beckham Jr. They have a lot of similarities, very similar size and speed and style. And it makes sense that you're going to want to get the ball to Odell more. He's the third-year veteran. He you know, has more of a sense of what he's doing. And, you know, Shepard, he's looked good on his routes um, from the slot over the middle. And he has that yards after catchability, as I said, like Beckham has. But I think it's just um, – I don't know if it's the fact that Cleveland was playing Shepard harder than Beckham. I have, I have no idea if they were focusing on him more um, after, since he's been pretty productive over the past few weeks. But um, I'm not too concerned. He'll, he'll become more of an integral part. Uh, games um, in the next five weeks. I'm sure um, those teams will start up here mm-hmm. and Beckham again. He's gotten hot recently. But I believe, you know, just, it was, you know, yesterday was just one of those, like, rare times where he's been underutilized. But he's been pretty, you know, pretty consistent over the course of the season, and they've really tried to get him involved. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel the exact same way. Yesterday I was just – I was a little concerned because Eli was throwing deep balls for, you know, jump balls for Roger Lewis Jr., 
I don't know what's going on in practice, but I, I feel like I'd rather throw a one-on-one ball to Sterling Shepard than Roger, Roger Lewis Jr. down down the field who didn't make one of those catches at all. But um, hey, I'm this is why we're here and and they're on the field. We can't pick apart what he does then. But let's talk about the ground game a little bit. It went back to its old ways yesterday, as it was abysmal to say the least. Rashad Jennings carrying most of that workload, and he got virtually nowhere, rushing 15 times for 55 yards. Paul Perkins had nine rushes for 29 yards. Um, It looks like from the past two weeks, Alex, that the Giants' run game was starting to get better, and that when they were facing the 31st-ranked defense in the league in the Cleveland Browns, they were going to take advantage of it. Are you very surprised? Because I think I'm very surprised that they didn't put up those big numbers yesterday. I'm definitely surprised and and disappointed. Um, As you said, they looked like they finally found something these past few weeks. Um, But Jennings, he had 55 rushing yards yesterday after two consecutive weeks of 90-plus yards. And um, one of the interesting – I mean, one of the the big things that really made me, you know, believe they were finally turning the corner, um, Jennings in the first nine games of the season, I know he was injured um, for a few games in the middle. He had 167 total yards, and he had 172 the past two weeks. So I was thinking, you know, finally – Maybe the offensive line found something that they could, you know, work with, but um, mm-hmm. obviously that wasn't the case. And as you said, it, it, it's discouraging since Cleveland's run defense is it just god awful. Yeah, I mean, now, now, just going forward in general, next week you're going to face a great running back tandem in Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams, and then the week after that, obviously you have to face the Cowboys star rookie Ezekiel Elliott in that backfield. Run game is going to be crucial in these next two games to try to kill some clock, try to get some good yards in the middle of the field and really set up some red zone opportunities. But do you think that there's any hope moving forward for this run game at all? It's, it's really hard to say that there is. I mean, I saw some good things from both Jennings and Paul Perkins, but you know, if the O-line continues to struggle, the the Giants are going to have to get it done solely through the air and as a one dimensional team. And, and they've proven so far that they can do it, but again, now they're getting to the, um, the meat of their schedule, and they're playing teams that you really can't just be one-dimensional with. So I don't, but I don't think there's any hope. All right. Well, let's let's hope a little bit, maybe a tiny bit, <laughs> that this run game can change. So the end of our shows, Alex. What we usually do is we give our winners and losers of the game yesterday, and. Being that you are the new kid on the block, you're going to go first. Alex, who are your winners of yesterday's game between the Giants and the Browns? Uh, well, my winners, uh, the defensive line, especially JPP. Of course, we talked about earlier the six sacks. Uh, JPP with the um, 43-yard three sacks on, um, for himself. And, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., he's usually a winner for me. Uh, he had a nice rebound game, 96 yards, two touchdowns on six receptions. And he did it with a bump on, as, he, as I said before, uh, which he had to get treatment on, and I just I I, um, I appreciated the toughness he showed. And uh, on the Cleveland side, I, I thought Terrell Pryor did well, 131 yards on six catches. Um, and you know during the week, um, he and Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins, kind of got into a little mm-hmm. a little mix, a little some words were exchanged, and I thought he kind of got the last laugh between them. So I thought he um he was Cleveland's you know sole bright spot on the day. All right, how about your losers? My losers, uh, of course, no surprise, the run game and Rashad Jennings, 55 yards when they had 90-plus the previous two games, and we thought they might be finally turning the corner, but, of course, that wasn't true. Um, and the Browns O-line, six sacks led up. Uh, they had eight last game. That's 14 in two games. Now they've given up something like well, over 45 sacks, I'm pretty sure. Uh, 
for the entire season. And uh, it's no wonder they've used they've had to use six different quarterbacks this season. They can't keep any of their guys healthy, it seems. Yeah, and a um, little side note about that Cleveland O-line. Joe Thomas, 10,000 straight snaps. How about that streak? Hasn't yeah, missed that, any that's... time on, on the field. Especially, Especially as an for an offensive lineman. lineman. That's, yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's a position where injuries happen almost uh, weekly. So for him to do that, that's, I mean, kudos to him. That's fantastic. All right, well, I completely agree with you on, on your winners. Odell Beckham having a great day. Terrell Pryor as well, like you said, getting that laugh. Um, I think that that was a great game by him. Unfortunately, you know, he couldn't find the end zone. His teammate Corey Coleman did. But for the winners of on my side, other than those guys, I'm going to have to add Olivier Vernon to that, you know, defensive line that you were talking about as a whole. Like I called him the silent assassin before, he was putting constant pressure on Josh McCown to move out of the pocket, try to get the ball out early. He didn't have as many sacks as JPP, but again, sack and a half for him. But he did a great job on the run as well against Isaiah Cruel and Duke Johnson. So, Olivier Vernon, hats off to you. Losers, I'm going to have to go with the Giants secondary. They under underperformed yesterday, 322 yards allowed in the air, especially those deep balls as we talked about before. I think they got to, you know, tighten some things up, especially facing a passing game that is great with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm next week. So let's see what the secondary can do. But that's all the time we had today, folks. Alex, how'd you like your first show, buddy? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, thanks again for having me on. And, um, you know, I always welcome the chance to talk football. I love talking football and especially the Giants. Well, me and Alex are going to be here next week. We're going to give you um, – next next week, wow. Friday, excuse me, we're going <laughs> to give you a preview of the Giants matchup at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh against the always competitive Steelers. Until then, check out thegiantsbeat.com for all the latest on Big Blue. You can also follow the Giants Beat on Scout on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for listening. As always, go Giants. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.